0: Fantastic! It's great um, to be here together again for another Big Church Weekend. Um, who's been before to Big Church Weekend? Good number of us. Who, for whom, is it your first time with us at Big Church Weekend? Let's give these guys a round of applause. Thanks, Dave. Um, so, um, do, who do we have here um, today? From who do we have from Longsight? Nice, nice. Um, who do we have from Central? Yeah. Cool. Who have we got here today from home? Yeah. Wow. Let's see if Wivenshawe can beat that. Yeah. <laughs> what is that. They're all in crash, apparently. <laughs> They're all in crash. But it was a valiant attempt anyway, guys. Um, where have we been so far? We've been to Longsight, we've been to Central, we've been to Home, we've been to Wivenshaw. So we need next to go to Swinton. <laughs> not bad, not bad. And Hyatt Blakely. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it's basically Lacundo and one or two others. <laughs> Fantastic. So good. So good um, to be together. One of the things we love about Big Church Weekend is just the opportunity to be together. So just want to encourage you over the course of the weekend, um, find at least one person from another community and, and actually ask them how it's going, what's going on in their community, what are the kind of things that they're getting up to to try and reach out. Um, to try and spread the gospel, what are the needs, what are the things that are tough, what can you pray for, that would be amazing, wouldn't it, so that we can just support one another um, across the church, so really encourage you to do that. Um, So um, this weekend is all about being everyday courageous. Now, for some of us, even like the title, even like coming into a room full of people and seeing courage in big letters. Great job, Dave, by the way, and team that have helped with that. Um, loving, loving the male and female lions that are um, full of courage. Um, but for some of us, we come in and we, and we see like the word courage and already we're like afraid. <laughs> it's like, what are they going to make us do? <laughs> um, well, we, we're just going to start by looking at the, the, the Bible together. Is that okay? Um, so, Philippians... Um, Philippians chapter 1. Just to give you a little bit of um, background and context to Paul's letter to the Philippians. Um, Philippi was a Roman colony, and it was a particularly patriotic Roman colony. So the people in Philippi, the general population, were like really into being a Roman colony, and they were really, really loyal um, to the Roman emperor. So it's not surprising then that in Philippi in particular, there was a lot of opposition to a gospel message that said, actually, the real king is Jesus. Um, Because, of course, they're really, really popular, uh, really, really patriotic and loyal to to Caesar, to the emperor. um, And they're not supposed to have anyone else that could possibly compete with him or take his place. Along come the Christians, and they're saying, Jesus is Lord and you should bow down and you should worship him alone. So there's a lot of opposition in Philippi. Now Paul is writing to the Philippians from being in prison. So he's Trying to write to them and encourage them that despite the fact that they're facing a lot of opposition, despite the fact that seemingly Philippi is a really hard place and and maybe not conducive to the gospel in, in, in human kind of thinking, Paul's saying, Come on, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to live your whole lives to tell the story of Jesus. And there are a number of different kind of sections of Philippians, and it it goes, it's not so much like one continuous thing, but lots of repeated little bits of writing from Paul, trying to encourage the people in Philippi, let your lives tell the story of Jesus Christ. And the kind of centerpiece of that, we're not going to read it today, but the the bit of Philippians that most of us, if we've read it before, will remember is, of course, and we we sang about it this morning, that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's kind of like the the centerpiece, the the, the climax of the story right in the middle, it, it all hangs around that, that Jesus is Lord, that he's the king of everything, Would our lives be centered around that? Would our lives tell that story in the midst of a lot of opposition? Now, interestingly, um, Paul kind of, as I say, writes from prison. And you'd think, well, that's not really that encouraging, Paul. Because, like, we'll get to that in a bit. Let's read Philippians chapter 1 together. And, um, and we'll pull out a few different um, themes, a few different topics from that. So I'm going to read the whole chapter, so you might want to follow along um, with me. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God Every time I remember you, in all my prayers for you, for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It's interesting, isn't it? Paul's saying what gives him real joy, what makes him really happy is that the church at Philippi, the believers, the people like you, the men and women like you at Philippi, what really makes him happy is that they are partners with him in the gospel, the story of Jesus and what he's done. And so he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want God to be glorified. I want God to be praised. I want God to be exalted. I want God, I want Jesus to be made famous through your lives. Verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love. Knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition. Not sincerely. Supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way. Whether from false motives or true. Christ is preached. And because of this I rejoice. You get the sense of what Paul is saying here. What matters to him is the gospel. The gospel. What matters to him is that people know how good, how amazing, how awesome Jesus really is. Because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage... So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body convinced of this. I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens. Whatever happens, whatever happens to me, whatever happens to you, whatever comes your way in life, whatever circumstance you find yourself going through, whatever life has in store for you, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Amazing opening chapter of a letter that reveals Paul's passion, his absolute obsession with the gospel, the story of Jesus. The story of God come to be with us. The story of a God who was not prepared to give up on us. The story of a God who longed for relationship with us. Relationship that restores us. Relationship that makes us whole. Relationship that fulfills us. but Relationship that restores us to our purpose. Relationship that enables us to be who we were always supposed to be. Partners with God Almighty, transforming our world, filling our world with the perfect, loving kingdom rule and reign that we've been singing about this morning. Saying, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Well, think about that for a moment. What is the will of God? Jesus said, all of my commandments can be summed up as this. Love God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Let this world be filled with the love of God You and I were made for that. The transformation of this world by the love of God. The perfect love of God. What an amazing gospel. Paul says it's all about this gospel. Have you ever ever got to the point in life when you were kind of plugging away at something? I don't know, you were were undertaking something and, and you got to the point where you thought, why am I here? Why am I still doing this? Why, why aren't I at home right now? I mean, those of us that camped last night, we had that experience this morning. I don't know quite what that means, but I'm sorry, Lord. God's going to give us courage. It's okay. (laughs) Sometimes it may feel like it's all falling apart, but it's. Sometimes you get, I remember a time, I remember a time. um, Some of you might remember this. um, we, We used to be part of a network a number of years ago, and we had a project that we undertook as a network at one point called Mission 193. Um, and that was basically a project where we undertook, as different churches in the network, that we would visit every one at that time there were one hundred and ninety three nations recognized by the United nations and we said we would visit everyone between us of the one hundred and ninety three nations of the world and we would read some prophetic scriptures we 'd present Bibles to to local people and it was just like a kind of a big prophetic mission thing and Dave Emmett and I um, decided dave by the way he can 't be with us today. Um, because he is recovering incredibly quickly um, from a uh, hip operation. So do be praying for Dave. It's great that Philip is with us today. She does have to go back to just keep an eye on him. Um, (laughs) But let's be praying for Dave as he continues to recover from that. But Dave and I um, were on one of our trips um, and we went to Chad as part of Mission 193. Now, um, we were in Chad, um, we, we managed, uh, we were supposed to be there, I think it was like three nights or something we were supposed to be there, it might have been two, it might have been three, but um, we were supposed to be there, we were, we're quite, you know, we're quite focused, Dave and I, we're quite, let's get the job done and, and let's get out of here anyway, so um, we went in and... and <laughs> We, we've, we met um, some local people. It was amazing. Um, we met some local church leaders. Um, we shared the scriptures with them. They were really encouraged. Um, they really got the whole thing. We were a bit like, are they just going to think we're crazy just turning up and, and doing this thing? But they, they like got it. They were really blessed that people had come from, that Christians in another part of the world were praying for them. and So it was fantastic. And, and we'd done this. And we were like, well, okay, we, we've done what we came for. And, and we've got like another night here, and then our flight is like at, late at night the following day. And we were like, what are we doing here? Um, so we were straight on the phone to the church office. I can't remember if it was Catherine who was doing it, or maybe Gavin, or, but we were like, can you get us flights out of here? Because, you know, we were only there for three days anyway, but we were like, we've done what we came for. What, what are we still doing here? We've got like family back home. Um, Dave does like being at home, doesn't he? <laughs> um, so we were like, there, there's no point still, nothing against Chad. I'm sure it's a really lovely country, but we're like, we, we've... Have you ever been, Kofo? <laughs> yes, but I've been, okay? <laughs> so, Kofo's got this thing... That any African country is his territory. <laughs> so if I'm in any African country, doesn't matter what one, he's like, "This will happen, brother. You're in my territory now." <laughs> Even when we we're in Democratic Republic of Congo, which like Dave lived in and um, Philippa lived in for many years, Dave lived in for ten years, um, and, and you know, still Kofo would take over, not having been there before. <laughs> Never having been in the country before, he'd be like saying to Dave, this is my territory, brother. Anyway, praise the Lord. Um, I can't remember my story now. So, so we were like, so we, and, and the brilliant, amazingly slick and fantastic administration team at King's House um, managed to get us on flights that afternoon. So we'd like, we'd gone in, we'd done the job, and we're like, there's no point. In us being here any longer because we we've done what we came here to do. And I think that's what's going on with Paul here. He's saying, Have I done the job that I came here to do? Because actually, if I have, then I might as well go home. How much do we live with that awareness that there is a better place, a home? that awaits us. We comfort ourselves with that when we lose somebody, don't we? We talk about the fact that they've gone home. So we, we have that awareness, we know that that is true, and yet that's true for all of us all of the time. There is a home, there is a better place. So, so for Paul to suffer, the ultimate suffering, is not to die. Yeah? The ultimate suffering is not to die, because he says, actually, I'd be better off. I'd be going home. And if there wasn't a job to do here, I might as well go home. I might as well go home. But actually, he's convinced that actually there is still a point for him being here. There's There's a purpose that God has got mission for him, that there's a a gospel that he needs to encourage the church to live out and proclaim and demonstrate. And so because he's convinced of that, he says, well, I can't go yet. I can't go yet because there's still a mission for me to accomplish. And I'm just wondering how much we live like that. And I'm challenging myself and I'm challenging us this morning. Are we living like that? Are we living with that sense of awareness? Are we, are we living a life that says, do you know what? I can't wait to be with Jesus. I can't wait to worship him for eternity in the uninterrupted presence of God. Where the meeting leader never gets up and says, now it's time for the notices. <laughs> but we just worship And we worship, and we worship, and and we won't get bored. I know some of us, we worry because we sing choruses like over and over and over again in a worship time. And we're like, "Oh, it's heaven like this. I could do a new one now. Um, But we'll never tire. We'll never tire of worshipping him. And I don't know how it all works out, but we'll be part of ever increasing and expanding his glorious rule and reign. Because of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end, so I don't know how that works when when earth is perfectly transformed and everything is as it should be and I don't know, do we start on other worlds, do we move to neighbouring galaxies, I don't know how it all works out but his kingdom is just going to keep on growing and growing and growing, we've got an amazing glorious future and so the the sense of us being here takes on a different perspective. Because the reason for us being here is to demonstrate, is to live, is to embody this story of Jesus who can restore us to who we are and what we were made for, who can, who can start to, to mend, to fix, to put back together our broken lives, restore us. We sang this morning, from my mother's womb... You have chosen me. Your love has called my name. You knew me and you longed for me. You made me for purpose. And that purpose is that we might draw others into that same purpose. That the whole world might be reconciled to Jesus Christ. If we're not living for that, then actually the truth is we might as well go home. Sometimes we lose that sense of purpose, don't we? Sometimes we get caught up in all the other things. And all the other things, they become the purpose. And so the gospel becomes God will help me with all the other things. The gospel, my faith, my my being part of the church becomes how can I survive through all the other stuff. And the other stuff takes central place. We have to remind ourselves again and again and again and again, why am I actually here? Why am I still here when Jesus has already done for me everything that is needed to secure my eternity with him? The thing that really counts in eternal perspective is already taken care of, yet he has decided to send us into our world we are here for the gospel. We are here for the gospel. We are on this planet for the gospel. And we have to learn to think like that. Do you remember the Bible says that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind? We need to change our minds. We need to learn to think differently. The reason I'm on this planet is for the gospel. We know that the people who love street evangelism are here for the Gospel. You know those people, they just love going up to total strangers and sharing the Gospel with them. They're just, they're just not fazed by it at all. They just like, they get a buzz out of it, they get a kick out of it. The rest of us, we're like, you know, standing a bit back saying I've got you in prayer cover. Um, but, <laughs> But you know those people, they, they just can't wait to be out on the streets, and they're like, come on everybody, why aren't we out there laying our hands on the sick, and, and we're like, oh, it's a bit embarrassing. Um, so some people, they just love it, and, and we're tempted to think they're the people that are here for the gospel, and, and well, we're here for the church, you know, because the church has got to be, it's got to be and coffee, and there's gotta be, there's gotta be chairs, and there's gotta be, there's gotta be a worship time, there's gotta be a worship band. Um, and we console ourselves that we're we're here for the church and, and we'll pray for the people that are here for the gospel. Every single one of us is here for the gospel. Every single one of us exists on this planet. Yeah. We exist for relationship with God, but we exist for a relationship with God on this planet so that we can share the gospel, so that we can live the gospel, so that our lives, because it's more than, it includes, and praise God for the people who love sharing the gospel in crazy ways on the street. Praise God for that, because that's part of our testimony, an important part of our witness. But actually, all of our lives are to tell the story of Jesus Christ. Everything about me, everything about the way I live, every decision that I make is supposed to tell a story of this amazing King Jesus who rules my life with his perfect love and who can rule your life too if you'll let him. Now Paul, he understood why he was here and because of that he had to live courageously for the gospel. He lived in a time, as we said, when there was a lot of opposition. He lived in a time where you couldn't kind of make half-hearted decisions because that decision to proclaim the truth of who Jesus was had severe consequences for him and for others. He faced beatings and imprisonment. It's an R and an A. I'm going to take them home and put them up in my bedroom. (laughs) What's interesting... Judith says she's not having it in the bedroom. (laughs) That's me in the spare room. Um, But rather than being... A discouragement. The fact that Paul is facing opposition, did you notice when we read the letter, it actually said that it had served to encourage others to share their faith. Rather than putting people off, because I'd have thought, you know, get someone who's had an easy life of sharing the gospel. Get them to tell their story. Do you know, everyone just accepts it, everyone. And and then, you know, others might be brave enough to have a go. But what Paul says is he says, actually, me being in prison has not only given me opportunities to share the gospel. Yeah, I remember I was in hospital one time and someone messaged me and said, oh, Richard, you must love it in there. Because there's so many people for you to like talk to and pray with. I was like, <laughs> no, I don't want to be here. And I haven't shared the gospel. I just want to go home. <laughs> but Paul is like, you know, actually it's amazing because being in prison has given me loads of opportunities to share the gospel. And then he says, not only that, but it's served to encourage others. And they're now sharing the gospel more because they've seen the courage that I've had to have. They've seen my courage for the gospel, and that's encouraged them to have courage to share the gospel themselves. Do you know, courage actually inspires courage. When you live courageously, not only does it affect you and how you're living your life, but it actually encourages the rest of the church around you as well. Um, I have a friend, um, some of you may have, have met them, two friends, Ashish and Dennis, um, from Amritsa in Punjab. How many of you have met Ashish or Dennis? A few of you, okay? So Ashish and Dennis, two brothers. Um, Ashish was on um, Bible school with us a number of years ago, um, and then um, I went out with Josh Bloor um, maybe a year or so ago um, to visit them out in Punjab. Dave Perkins and I are going to be going again towards the end of this year. We've been partnering with them, um, trying to help them with um, setting up a Bible school, raising up um, new emerging young men and women of God to share the gospel and go out and plant churches. They're doing an amazing job. I mean, it's kind of crazy in a way that we're like helping them because they are so inspiring in their sharing of the gospel. But one of the things I've discovered talking to Ashish and Dennis is because they're always, by the way, whenever I get loads of messages from them, uh, and I'm, they're asking me, how's the church going? And I'm like, yeah, you know, we, we, we did an event six weeks ago, and we might have another one coming up in about three months' time. Um, they're always, always either fasting and praying or out sharing the gospel, like always. Um, so it's quite challenging because I'm desperately trying to think, what did we do? What did we do? Like, <laughs> So they're always either fasting and praying or sharing the gospel or both. Um, so, so they send me these messages, and, and they face opposition. Punjab is a predominantly um, Sikh um, place, um, and um, there's people from the Sikh background. That, that's what you're supposed to be, and if you're not a Sikh, then you should at least be a Hindu um and if you're not a Sikh or a Hindu then you're you're pretty you know at the bottom of, of the pile and what is worse than anything they will just about for most of the time most of the time they might get harassed a bit but for most of the time they're okay to worship um and get on with their thing which doesn't make sense because it's not Sikh or Hindu but okay we'll let you get on with your thing but don't you dare share the gospel Don't you dare tell people about Jesus, and don't you dare, don't anybody who is Sikh or Hindu convert to Christianity, because that's just like a big no-no. So I was thinking about this, and I was thinking how um, Ashish and Dennis were a great example um, of courageously living for the gospel. So I was thinking how I could include that um, the other day, and then this message arrived um, from Ashish. Um, Happy birthday, brother, yeah. Okay. Um, It was a couple of days ago. Uh, Thanks. No, 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 no. No, I'm running out of time. Um, (laughs) This is what what he said. He said, we had a one-day youth... I just told him, we've got... Because I thought, you know, big church weekend's coming up. We're doing something. (laughs) He said, we had a one-day youth camp on 15th of August. Around 300 youth participated. We had life-challenging three testimonies. One young man named Jimmy came to Christ through his sister. His other family members are still not in faith. Jimmy's brother used to beat him because he received Jesus. One day as he came back home from work in the winter season, his brother forcefully removed Jimmy's clothes and sent him away from home during that extreme cold night. He was beaten and remained outside his house for hours till his mum came and brought him back home. Jimmy at present doesn't live in his own house but lives in his sister's house in the city and is a bold proclaimer of faith in the streets and the villages. I don't know if we ever got to the point where, can we show Jimmy? This is just a little WhatsApp video. Maybe. Possibly, just wait a few more seconds, here we go, they're actually taller than that, I think it's, (laughs) (laughs) I think the moment's passed now. (laughs) That's Jimmy, who is taller in real life, um, and and a bit slimmer as well. But he's, he's there, that inspires me. Here he is, he's been beaten, he's been told by his family, how can you do this, you can't convert to this religion. Um, he's you know, been stripped of his clothes, shamed, he's been beaten up, and what's his response? I'll go out onto the streets and I'll share the gospel. I'll go out in the public and I'll let everybody know that I've got faith in this Jesus. That inspires me, that doesn't make me afraid, It makes me think, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why am I holding back? Courage inspires courage. And not only that, not only does courage inspire courage, but courage exalts Jesus as well. So in verse 20, if you remember, Paul said this. He said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. I pray that I'll have enough courage that Jesus will be exalted. Because when we have the courage to live for him, when we have the courage to allow our lives to tell the story of his gospel, it exalts Jesus. It lifts him up. Courage makes Jesus famous. And actually, that makes sense to us, doesn't it? Because... Actually, people recognize courage. People recognize bold and heroic, courageous acts in the lives of other people. But the truth is that most of us live in a world, live in a context where we don't get beaten up. Most of us, most of us won't get completely rejected by our family. They might think we're a bit stupid. They might think we're a bit crazy. But most of us won't be stripped of our clothes and sent out into the night disowned and disinherited for choosing to follow Jesus. Most of us, most of us won't be fired explicitly just for being a Christian or have property taken away from us just because we're a Christian or have our homes vandalized and torn apart or be beaten up or put in prison. And actually, I know why we do it, but sometimes when we use the word persecution and apply it to maybe the embarrassment or the... um, maybe the bias that we experience against us or we feel like we're not being treated fairly or I think we probably do a disservice to those who really are being persecuted in other parts of the world. I don't think we, most of us, most of us, I don't think we've ever come close to being persecuted. And so that becomes challenging for us, doesn't it? That becomes challenging for us because when we think about how can I live my life courageously, we don't have, for most of us, that one big moment. In fact, when I was um, trying to look for kind of like video clips or, you know, illustrations for being courageous, they're all about the big moment. They're all about that almost slightly romanticized heroic moment where someone laid down their life and, and, and had no regard for their own safety, or about the the fire officer who rushes into a, a, a burning building and knowing that they could die, but they have to rescue the, the, the mother and baby or, or whatever it is. And, and I'm not belittling those situations. There are, there are amazing stories, aren't there, of courage that inspire us. But the trouble is that we start to, we start to think about this call to be courageous in those terms. And we start to think that it'll just be the one big dramatic moment where, where we all go out and we're just like really courageous and then everyone will get saved and that'll be the end. Or, um. But it's not like that for us, is it? It's actually in the everyday. You know when, when, when God said to Joshua, be strong and very courageous, we can think that it's just about one battle. Just like, go out there, fight this amazing battle, It'd make a great movie, um, and Joshua be really heroic and courageous, and then that, that's it, job done. But you read the history, and it went on for years. And actually, the scripture says, if you read it in, in the book of Joshua, it says, God says to him, be strong and very courageous, and then he says, make sure that you keep all the law that I've given you. So he wasn't talking about just going and fighting one big, heroic, courageous battle, but he was saying, live your whole life courageously. It's actually going to be every day. It's actually going to be choices that you face every day of your life. And some days, yes, it will be the big battle, but some days, it will be the mundane and the ordinary, and are you going to have the courage to honor God with the way you live your life in the seemingly unspectacular I remember um, many of you know and are aware of um, Kevin Joe, who we love very, very much, gone on an amazing, incredible adventure with their family to China. And um, they felt God speak to them very clearly um, to take a, a new season for the next couple of years and to pursue the word that came to them was adventure. And that's great, isn't it? Because it's like we can think of that as an adventure. Wow, they're going to China. That's really, really radical. They're they're, they're they're being really bold. They're being really brave. They're stepping out in faith and trusting God that what he's spoken to them is the word that will sustain them. They're in a different country. They don't know people. It's scary. And we can think of that as kind of like bold and courageous and heroic. But actually, God calls all of us to live a life of adventure. And our challenge is to realize that every day is supposed to be an adventure. Whether I get called to sell everything and up sticks and move to another country, or whether God says, actually, I want you to carry on exactly where you are, in the same old job, with the same old people, doing the same old things, but I want it to be for you an adventure. And I want it fit to be, for you, courageous. Because here's the thing. I reckon if the way I'm living my life does not take courage, then I'm not doing it right. Doesn't matter what, just let that kind of percolate for a moment. Doesn't matter what my circumstances. is. Regardless of whether, of course, if I'm under threat of my life, of course, if people are trying to beat me up for sharing the gospel, of course that takes courage. But isn't it supposed to take courage to live radically and authentically for Jesus in every situation of life? Doesn't it take courage? I'm not putting it on the same level as physical persecution, but doesn't it take courage to be different to the people around you? Actually, don't we find that so hard? Some of us in particular, we just want to blend in. We just want not to be noticed. To be noticed is is terrifying. And yet the call to live for the gospel of Jesus means that we have to be different. That we have to stand out. When the conversation is going a certain way and then everyone turns to you and says, well, what do you think? And you have to say something different that maybe contradicts what everyone's just been saying. It takes courage to talk openly and naturally about Jesus. Let's be honest. We're just about okay with saying, well, I, I go to church because it's really great and there's great activities and it's great for the kids. Um, and, but talk about Jesus... Have you noticed that? It's easier to talk about church than it is to talk about Jesus. But to talk openly and naturally about your relationship with Jesus. To talk naturally without putting on any caveats, without having to justify it or explain it or give a Well, you know, we believe that God can actually speak to people. And it, it's not kind of weird. It's, it's just very normal. And, but just to say, oh, Jesus was talking to me the other day. It takes courage, doesn't it? It takes courage to stand up against injustice, to speak out against oppression. It takes courage to pray for the sick. How many of you know that? How many of you have had the failed attempts? Like you're in the shop. The, the, the person on the checkout, because you've heard the preacher come in, and they've talked about how they were in the Sainsbury's or Tesco's or wherever the other day, and, and, and they said that they had a bad shoulder, so so they prayed for them, and they got healed, and then they went on the tannoy and said, anyone's got a bad shoulder, come to checkout three, and then everyone came, and they prayed for all of them, and they all got saved, and... We've heard those stories, haven't we? And so we've been there at the checkout, and the checkout person has said, I've got a bad back. And you're like, I should pray for them, I should pray for them, I should pray for them. I really should pray for them. And and it's like, and and then they tell you what the price is. I'm running out of time, I should pray for them. And then you walk away with your head held, bowed low. I didn't pray for them, I failed again. Oh, is that only me? Um, It takes courage. Courage. It takes courage to be real about this thing that we know is real. But the pressures of our lives, everything about the world we live in tells us it's not real. It's not real and it's not relevant and you should just keep it to yourself because faith is now a private thing that we'll just about tolerate if you don't push it on anybody else. It takes courage to invite people to come to church, you've had a conversation, it's gone really well. You're just so relieved that they're just like still talking to you when you mention Jesus. So it takes courage to go the next step and say, "Hey, would you like to come to church with me?" It takes courage to say, "Would you like to give your life to Jesus Christ? Would you like to know him? Would you like to follow him?" It takes courage. To be different. And this kind of courage is different to those big, bold, dramatic moments. And so in some ways, I'm not trying to put it on the same level, but in some ways we find it more difficult because it's so easy to slip back into mediocrity. It's so easy just to slip back into the mundane and the ordinary. And it takes courage, when, particularly when you hit that season of life. I remember I came to um, our church as a student. Um, I was 18, and, and our church just blew my mind. I'd never experienced any church like it. And I knew that within five years, Jesus would be back and the whole thing would be over because we would have just this church we would have taken over the whole world with the gospel of Jesus because it was and so as i've you know got a little bit older than i was then and and it hasn't happened quite as quickly or and things have been slower and things have been more challenging and it takes courage to keep believing for some of us here it takes courage to not just try and adjust the story so that actually, well, God just wants us to just to plod along, really, doesn't he, and be faithful. And, and if I make it till I die and still believe in him, then that'll be okay. It takes courage to say, I still want to expect and believe for amazing, miraculous things. I want to expect that even as I get older, actually, there is so much that God has for me, so much that God wants to do with me, so many adventures that he wants to use me on in my life, that actually I haven't missed it. It takes courage to hold on to those prophetic words that were spoken over you, that you're starting to wonder if they could ever come to pass. It takes courage to deal with the things, those emotional things that keep coming up again and again and again. It takes courage to face those things. It takes courage to take hold of the word that's preached, that's taught, that's proclaimed, that you read in your Bible, and say, I'm actually going to believe this stuff. I'm actually going to put it into practice. I'm actually going to deal with the stuff going on inside of me. It takes courage to make my whole life about the gospel. It takes courage to say, actually, do you know what? The decisions I make about my career, the decisions I make about my future, the decisions I make about where I live... I'm going to put the gospel at the center of that. I'm going to put honoring God. I'm going to put living a life that testifies to his goodness first and foremost in my life. It takes courage to say, do you know what? I'm all in. I'm going to live as if my only hope is that this gospel is true and that it really is the only reason why I'm here on the planet. It takes courage. When I was looking for video clips, I didn't find one, but I did find this quote from a book. I'm not sure if it's in the movie. They made a movie of the book, Um, but it's um, from a book called Allegiant, which is part, some of you read the Divergent series um, by Veronica Roth. And one of the main characters, Tobias, says this, there are so many ways to be brave in this world. Sometimes bravery involves laying down your life for something bigger than yourself or for someone else. Sometimes it involves giving up everything you've ever known or everyone you've ever loved for the sake of something greater. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it is nothing more than gritting your teeth through pain and the work of every day, the slow walk toward a better life life. That is the sort of bravery I must have now. Sometimes it's the big moment. Sometimes it's the dramatic call. Sometimes it's the story that will inspire others all across the church, and it'll be told, and we'll put it in the newsletters, and everyone will go, wow, what courage, how amazing. Sometimes it's just everyday decisions. It's the gritting your teeth. And deciding, I am going to carry on. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep pressing forward. Sometimes it's pressing on through pain. Sometimes it's pressing on through doubt, through confusion, through not understanding. But my life is going to count. My life is going to tell a story. My life is going to be a witness and a testimony to the goodness and faithfulness and the love of God. That slow walk. That slow walk. Sometimes we wish it was so much faster, don't we? Sometimes we wish it would just be, well, if I can just put in one week of ultra hard effort, I'll fast the whole week, I'll pray like 10 hours. If I knew that it would all be over in a week, we'd we'd go for it, wouldn't we? But it's knowing that sometimes it's day after day after day after day. This is the kind of courage that God is calling us to. Every day courageous. Determined every day. Passionate every day. Even if it looks the same as yesterday. Even if it's doing the chores. Even if it's going through the same motions at work. I'm going to live today with courage. My life is going to count for the gospel today. Whether I share openly with words, whether it's something about the way I live my life, whether it's about a decision that I make, whether it's about my integrity, whether it's about my compassion, whether it's about my grace, my life is going to tell the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ today and every day. It's a decision. It's a commitment. It's a passion that we have to sustain to live every day courageous. Amen.